Welcome to BP's fourth quarter 2007 conference call. Joining me today are Tony Haywood, Chief Executive, and Byron Grote, our Chief Financial Officer. Before we start, I'd just like to draw your attention to two items. First, today's call refers to slides which will be used during the webcast. Those of you on our distribution list should have received them by email. They are also available on our website. Second, I'd like to draw your attention to this cautionary statement. Now, over to Tony. Thank you, Fergus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our fourth quarter and full year results presentation. Before I ask Byron to take you through the details of our results, I want to reflect on where BP stands at the start of 2008. 2007 was a year of change for BP. Our performance for the year was disappointing in some areas, notably US refining, compared to our peers. However, in the second half of the year, there were the first early signs of improvement. We began to stabilise our operational performance, to resolve many of the issues we face in the US, and to create strategic clarity on the future. In 2008, we expect to begin to build on that operational momentum and begin to convert it into financial momentum, particularly in the second half of the year and into 2009. Let me begin with safety. 2007 saw further improvement in our overall safety performance. We've made good progress in addressing the recommendations of the Baker panel and have begun to implement a new operating management system across all of BP's operations. Turning now to operations, in the fourth quarter in particular we made important progress. We began to build operating momentum in our core businesses. In exploration and production we started up six projects including the delayed Atlantis platform in the deepwater Gulf of Mexico. Atlantis is currently producing approximately 125,000 barrels a day. These startups helped us grow fourth quarter production by over 250,000 barrels a day versus the third quarter. At our US refineries, we restored whiting to available distillation capacity of 300,000 barrels a day and expect to restore the refinery to its full crude capacity and flexibility of 360,000 barrels a day in the first half of 2008. At Texas City, we have successfully recommissioned the three units necessary to allow restart of the remaining crude distillation capacity. The final sour crude unit is mechanically complete and is expected to be fully operational during the first quarter. By the middle of 2008, we expect most of the economic capability at the Texas City refinery to have been restored. In exploration and production, we expect the Thunder Horse project to start production before the end of the year. And finally, in the US, we reached settlements with a number of regulatory authorities and civil claimants, which was a significant step towards resolving many of the legal and regulatory issues we face there. Just as importantly, we've made progress on the forward agenda for BP, designed to restore BP's competitive financial performance. There are two pillars to this agenda, a significant reduction in the complexity and cost of our overhead and a transformation and refocusing of our downstream business. On the complexity agenda, we've announced a number of changes to create a fundamental shift in how BP works. These are designed to simplify the organisation, improve productivity, enable consistent execution and focus on business performance. BP now comprises just two business segments, 
exploration and production and refining and marketing. This will simplify both our corporate governance and decision-making. Our objective is to reduce the corporate overhead by between 15 and 20%. We're starting from the top with fewer layers of management and a smaller corporate infrastructure. All our corporate functions will have a simplified and smaller structure and will be managed centrally to drive standardisation, increase capability and prioritise spending. In aggregate, we expect these actions to lead to a reduction of around 5,000 positions across the group by mid-2009. This is in addition to the 9,500 relating to the sale of our US-operated convenience retail business. The overall resultant restructuring costs are around $350 million in the fourth quarter of 2007, and we expect around a further $1 billion in 2008. We expect to see benefits from these measures in 2009 and beyond. While all these changes were underway, we continue to make good progress in exploration and production, where we maintain strong strategic momentum. Our track record of exploration success continued, with major discoveries in Azerbaijan, Egypt and Angola. We successfully started up nine new projects. We secured major new access in Amman, Libya and Canadian heavy oil. The entry into Canadian oil sands, which is subject to final agreements and obtaining the necessary approvals and permits, was made on attractive terms to BP. We're establishing two independent 50-50 joint ventures with Husky Energy to form an integrated North American oil sands business. BP is acquiring a half share in the Sunrise Field in Alberta, while Husky will acquire a half share in BP's Toledo oil refinery. Our 2007 reserve replacement ratio excluding the effects of acquisitions and divestments, was more than 100%. Correcting for the effects of year-end prices, the ratio would have been more than 120%. This is the 14th consecutive year that our reported reserve replacement ratio has been over 100%. In refining and marketing, our overall financial performance versus our peers is unacceptable, despite the fact we have a strong set of assets. The principal reason for this performance gap is poor reliability in some of our US refineries, but there's more to do than restoring US refining reliability. We aim to transform and refocus our refining and marketing business. It will not happen overnight, but we believe that the performance gap can be progressively narrowed in the next few years and closed over the medium term. We are focused on four interventions. One, delivering safe and reliable operations, especially in our US refineries, where our focus is to get the US refineries to the same level of availability, 95%, as our refineries in the rest of the world. Two, a focus on more closely integrated fuel value chains. Three, selling our company-owned and company-operated convenience sites in the US and significantly focusing the footprint of our lubricants and aviation businesses. And four, reducing the overhead the business carries by having fewer organisational units, reducing the number of organisational layers and reducing business service costs and overheads. This amounts to a major intervention, but one that is absolutely necessary. Ian Conn will talk to you in more detail about how we intend to do this and the metrics and indicators you can use to track our progress at our strategy presentation later this month. Let me now hand over to Baron, who will take you through the 2007 numbers and our plans to evolve our financial framework. Byron. Thank you, Tony. 
I'll now elaborate on our fourth quarter and full year results, starting with a summary of the trading environment. The table shows the percentage year-on-year -year increases in our key indicators for both the fourth quarter and full year. Oil prices continued to strengthen and reached record highs during the quarter, primarily due to rising demand and concerns about geopolitical instability. Our average liquids realization approached $83 per barrel in the fourth quarter and exceeded $67 per barrel for the year. Our 4Q average gas realization recovered from the extremely low levels in the third quarter to $4.83 per thousand cubic feet, up 10% compared with last year. However, on a full year basis, our gas realization was 4% lower than 2006. Taking both oil and gas together, our average total hydrocarbon realization was only 8% higher than last year, a much smaller increase than the oil price, reflecting our considerable exposure to U.S. gas. Our average refining indicator margin of $5.68 per barrel fell 30% compared to the third quarter and 10% versus last year. For 2007, refining margins were 18% higher than 2006, in part due to record levels experienced in the second quarter. However, the margins realized by our own refineries did not increase to the same extent because of our product mix, narrower light-heavy differentials, and low refining availability in the United States. Looking now at the first quarter of 2008, although oil prices have fallen over the last few weeks on concerns of weaker economic growth, they remain higher than 4Q07. Meanwhile, Henry Hub prices have risen slightly on expectations of colder weather. By contrast, refining indicator margins have continued to fall and have averaged less than $3 per barrel to date. This is approximately half the 4Q07 average and sharply lower than the average of over $9 per barrel seen in the first quarter of last year. This is mainly due to declines in U.S. margins. You can, of course, continue to track the indicators that I've mentioned in our online weekly trading conditions update. Turning to the financials, our fourth quarter replacement cost profit was $3 billion, 24% lower than a year ago. A major factor in this swing was an unusually high tax rate in 4Q07, reflecting the tax on inventory gains. This compares to an unusually low rate for the same period last year, during which there were significant inventory losses. The tax rate for 4Q, excluding the effect of inventory gains, was 38%. The full-year tax rate was 37%, in line with guidance provided. Our profit, including inventory gains and losses, was $4.4 billion, up 53% compared to last year. These figures include charges for non-operating items, which reduced our results by over $1 billion. Half of the charges relate to our forward agenda actions, aimed at reducing complexity and costs, which Tony has already mentioned. I'll describe these items in more detail when discussing individual segment results. Fourth quarter operating cash flow of $4.3 billion 
was 14% lower than a year earlier, reflecting working capital effects driven by higher oil prices. All the per share metrics shown reflect the benefit of the reduction in our shares outstanding by 3% over the past year. The 13.525 cent per share dividend announced today, which will be paid in March, is 31% higher than a year ago. The sterling dividend is up by nearly 30% year on year. I'll describe the evolution in our financial framework which underpins this dividend increase shortly. In E&P, we reported pre-tax profit of $7.6 billion for the fourth quarter, which included a charge of around $600 million for non-operating items, primarily related to embedded derivatives and restructuring costs. Excluding these non-operating items, our underlying result of $8.3 billion was a record for the segment and 58% higher than last year. This reflects benefits from stronger realizations and higher production volumes, which more than offset continued sector-specific inflation, greater startup costs, and higher DDNA. Reported production was over 3.9 million barrels of oil equivalent per day, up 2% versus last year. After adjusting for the effect of acquisitions and disposals and lower entitlements in our production sharing agreements due to higher prices, underlying production for the quarter was 3% higher. Full-year production of over 3.8 million barrels of oil equivalent per day was within the guidance range we provided in February 2007, in spite of the impact of divestments and higher prices than we assumed at the time of the guidance. The TNKBP fourth quarter contribution of around $750 million was significantly higher than last year, reflecting a stronger trading environment and the benefit from lag tax reference prices. As you may recall, price lags built into the calculation of Russian export duties have a favorable impact in a rising market. This tax lag has resulted in a net benefit of around $250 million in 4Q07, compared with an adverse impact of $200 million in the fourth quarter of 2006. The overall effect in 2007 was a net benefit of around $600 million. In refining and marketing, we reported a pre-tax loss of $1.3 billion compared with a profit of $300 million a year ago. Our fourth quarter result included a charge of $1.1 billion for non-operating items, reflecting impairment charges related to U.S. convenience retail, restructuring costs, and certain other provisions. Excluding these non-operating items, our underlying result was significantly lower than last year. This reflects weaker U.S. refining margins, lower contribution from supply optimization, and higher repair, recommissioning, and operating costs at our Texas City and Whiting refineries. In addition, the quarter's result reflected the impact of a major scheduled turnaround at our Toledo refinery. These ongoing outages and repair costs in our refineries, plus lower margins, 
contributed to an underlying loss of more than $800 million in the United States. Fair value accounting effects were smaller relative to the prior year, although still negative for the quarter. Looking forward, the first quarter is typically a heavy turnaround period, and 2008 is no exception. For example, we have a major scheduled turnaround at our Carson refinery in progress. Turning to gas power renewables, we reported a pre-tax profit of $220 million for the fourth quarter, which included a small charge for non-operating items, mainly due to impairments. Excluding these non-operating items, our underlying result of $280 million was slightly higher than last year. This reflected benefits from stronger NGL operating performance, which more than offset a lower contribution from the marketing and trading businesses and a less favorable fair value accounting effect compared to 4Q06. This is the last time that this segment will be reported separately, as I'll explain in a moment. In other businesses and corporate, or OBNC, the fourth quarter underlying charge was $310 million. This brought the full year charge to around $900 million, in line with the guidance I provided last February. Turning now to cash flow, this slide compares our sources and uses of cash in 2006 and 2007. Operating cash flow decreased to around $25 billion, primarily as a result of weaker refining and marketing results and working capital movements due to higher oil prices. Disposals provided a further $4 billion. In total, sources of cash were $29 billion. We use this cash in funding around $18 billion of organic capital spending, more than $1 billion of acquisitions, and nearly $16 billion of shareholder distributions. Our net debt ratio ended the year at 23%, towards the bottom end of our targeted band of 20 to 30%. The 4Q increase reflects normal year-end working capital and tax phasing. Let me talk a little more about the resegmentation which took effect at the beginning of the year. As Tony has described, BP now comprises just two business segments. Our gas, power, and renewable segment has been eliminated, and its gas-related businesses, natural gas liquids, liquefied natural gas, and marketing and trading, have been transferred to the exploration and production segment. Its other arm, the alternative energy business, has been established as a separate unit and held within other businesses and corporate. As a consequence, other businesses and corporate has been redefined. It now consists of alternative energy, corporate activities, and other business areas such as aluminum and shipping. We will provide 2008 guidance on OBNC in the context of this new structure during our strategy review on the 27th of February. Restated historical data for the last five years are expected to be available before then. Looking to 2008, we expect an effective tax rate in the range of 36 to 38 percent, in line with 2007. 
our actual effective tax rate will be determined by a number of factors, including prevailing market conditions. For example, you would expect income from higher prices to attract higher marginal tax rates and move us towards the higher end of this range. The slide also provides an update on the rules of thumb that some of you use to model our results. As in the past, these should be considered simply as broad directional indicators, which are more useful on an annual basis than for quarter-on-quarter -quarter comparisons, and for price moves within a much narrower range than we've seen in the recent past. These indicators are less reliable as our portfolio diversifies away from being predominantly driven by Brent and Henry Hub prices and simple refining indicators. You will note that we remain highly leveraged to movement in U.S. gas prices, which are currently disconnected from oil prices. Turning to production, we expect growth in 2008 compared to 2007, with actual net volumes dependent on how the crude price affects entitlements from production sharing agreements. Our guidance for 2009 and 12 remains unchanged. On the assumption of a $60 oil price, we would expect 2009 production to be above 4 million barrels of oil equivalent per day and around 4.3 million barrels of oil equivalent per day in 2012. As in 2008, actual reported production will depend on price. Though we remind you that last year the production guidance we gave was also on the basis of a $60 outlook, and actual production was within that guidance despite prices averaging in excess of $72 per barrel. Given current market conditions, it's likely that 2008 prices will continue to be above $60 per barrel as well. Andy Ingalls will talk more about the PSA effects on production in our strategy review later this month. We are increasing our capital spending to reflect both industry inflation and greater growth investment. We expect 2008 organic capex of 21 to 22 billion dollars. This guidance does not include the accounting treatment of our entry into the Canadian oil sands via two joint ventures with Husky Energy. At the group level, we are, in essence, swapping 50% of our interest in the Toledo refinery for 50% in Husky's Sunrise Field. However, IFRS requires that we account for these joint ventures as investments and a disposal. In E&P, our interest in the Sunrise Joint Venture will be shown as an equity investment. In R&M, the Toledo transaction will consist of two parts. First, the disposal of BP's 100% interest in the refinery and the subsequent 50% investment in the new joint venture. We are at the end of a multi-year program of disposals aimed at focusing and high-grading our asset base. Consequently, we expect lower divestment proceeds than in the recent past. We expect to see an increase in DDNA of around $1.5 billion dollars with the higher charges driven by a number of factors, including production growth, the startup of new projects, and PSA effects. Costs are likely to continue to grow, including in TNK-BP. 
The underlying growth rate in costs should slow, however, reflecting the early impact of our cost reduction agenda. The benefits of that agenda should increase in 2009 and beyond. Our shareholder distributions for 2007 were $15.6 billion, lower than in 2006, due mainly to reduced disposal proceeds. Dividend payments exceeded $8 billion, and we bought back $7.5 billion worth of shares. Our consistent and long-established financial framework has been to distribute to shareholders 100% of all free cash flow in excess of that required for investment. And we have had a progressive dividend policy, which means that we increase dividends in line with the underlying growth of the firm. The broad principles of that framework remain, but changes in the business context have given us greater confidence in our future cash flows and have led us to rebalance the uses of this cash. So what are these changes? Firstly, we hold a more positive view of the pricing environment, especially for oil. Oil and gas prices have continued to strengthen over the last five years. Demand growth, driven by non-OECD demand, is likely to continue to impact price, as will geopolitical factors, such as security of supply concerns, constrained access to new resources, and a mismatch between sources of supply and centers of demand. It is impossible to predict precisely the oil price. Indeed, we've been reminded in the last two months of just how volatile it can be. But considering all of these factors, it is our view that there is support for oil prices above $60 per barrel for the next few years, and most likely in the range of $60 to $90 per barrel, although we will continue to test projects at lower prices. The second factor is the growing momentum in our operations, which Tony has already highlighted. We are confident that our financial performance will be boosted by growing revenues from increased production and improved refining availability. We also see significant potential for cost efficiencies and improved performance across all of our businesses. The third reason is that our reduced equity base has made per share dividend increases more affordable. Over the last eight years, we have generated significant surplus cash above the underlying requirements of the firm. Much of this cash came from divestments, and we have returned this to shareholders in the form of share buybacks. Over the past eight years, buybacks have reduced shares outstanding by 16%. A higher per share dividend is therefore more affordable. So how have we adapted the framework to this new context? First, given our confidence in a sustained higher price environment and improved operations, we believe it's right to increase organic capex to support the future growth of the company. Second, we've decided that our approach to the level of gearing should remain unchanged. We continue to believe that a gearing band of 20 to 30 percent provides an efficient capital structure and the appropriate level of financial flexibility through the cycle. Third, we will rebalance our distribution between dividends and share buybacks. 
Taken together, all these factors lead us to judge that it is right to step up the dividend this quarter. Given higher organic capex, lower divestments, and a higher dividend, the level of free cash flow available to be allocated to share buybacks is likely to be lower. Nonetheless, we will continue to use share buybacks as a mechanism to return excess cash to shareholders when appropriate. We believe that this updated financial framework gets the balance right. With our confidence in greater cash flows from our strong asset base, allowing us to both increase investment in the future growth of the company and increase the dividend component of our distribution to shareholders. That concludes my presentation of our results.